we're going to be talking about the real followers know what is valuable. The real followers know what is valuable. I want you to know that I came across something and I'm so happy. I'm so excited because it is going to be so phenomenal, especially after the next few minutes. But I want you to know I came across this diamond today in our house. And, uh, you know, this is going to be an answer to a lot of our cares, okay? I'm going to start the bidding at at least $150,000. Do I have $150,000? A nickel. Wow, okay, that, that went direction I didn't mean plan. $1 million. Does your, wa- your wife's not here, Dino. Well, hold on. Let me make this disclaimer. Both spouses must be in the room for you to offer $1 million. Now... I want you to know that this is actually Kristen's paperweight. See, Kristen is already in heaven. See, heaven, this is going to be your paperweight. What we think is so valuable here is going to be a paperweight there. But guys, I want you to know that if you did own this, you pretty much could propose to any woman in the world, and she would be yours, okay? She'd be like, yes, because I just can't even imagine seeing something. But you know what's real interesting is that I looked up this week in the Merriam Dictionary about counterfeit. And if you look up what the word counterfeit means, it says something that was made to deceive. Isn't that interesting? Something that is made so it will deceive. I mean, this is so purposeful. Um, Whether you've actually ever purchased a counterfeit concert ticket or football ticket whether you probably held counterfeit money, you didn't know it, but it was printed, there was really no value behind it. Do you understand that, see, when I, when I brought this out, one of the first things that you knew right away that it, it really wasn't real. That's my nickel bid over here. But if, if I'd have brought something out that was a little bit smaller, maybe it was a really, really good cubic zirconia. It might even have fooled some of you. And you'd said, wow, that, that looks like a beautiful diamond ring. And, and wow, that would definitely be worth so much money. But there would be deception in that. Because I knew that that was not the real diamond. See, the enemy has a lot of counterfeit things that they will throw into your life. And it is shiny. And I'll tell you what, if you look at this, I worked in a jewelry store in high school. Actually, in high school and college, I worked in a jewelry store. I thought the best place to meet a woman who already had jewelry was in a jewelry store. But No, but if you look at this thing, it has got clarity, it's got cut, all the things that you look for in a diamond. But one of the things that first gave it away is the size. Because chances are, if I had had this as a real diamond, there would be about four security guards standing around, right? But a lot of times, counterfeit things are not that noticeable. And so today we're going to be talking about real believers, real followers, people who know Christ, people who are spending time in the Word, people who are seeing and expecting God to do supernatural things. Why I had to bring that prayer and unity into our family is because God has spoken great things. And I've seen one attack after another, after another, after another. It's been spiritual. And I said, you know what? We as a family have to go to war spiritually. That's what we did this week when we started saying and declaring that prayer. All of us had our prayer lives, but all of us together are saying that prayer. And there is always power and unity. Have you ever noticed that? One person singing can be beautiful, and then all of a sudden a second voice joins in, and there's harmony in a third one, and and all of a sudden. But if you've ever been fortunate to hear the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, it's moving. It will move you. If you've ever been able to hear a lot of men singing... 
Wow, there is power when those men get together and, and it's just that chorus. And it's the same in our prayers that when we as a family start saying the same prayers and start declaring supernatural power into situations, situations that you may have given up on, situations that you've declared that, that it's not God's time, it's not God's will, it's, it's too difficult, I'm tired of praying about that. Have you ever been to a point where you've been tired of praying about something? You felt like you have stood on God's promises and you've stood and you've stood and you've stood and you haven't seen any breakthrough. And you come to a point where you say, God, I just, there's nothing left in me. And all of a sudden, a scripture will pop into your your head and your heart and you start declaring it. So I want to encourage you to stand with me as we, in unity, declare God's supernatural favor, not only on your life, on your seed, and on this church. We need to know what's valuable in life. I'm going to ask you a question. What would you be willing to sacrifice your life for? If somebody interviewed you and said, what would you be willing to sacrifice your life for? Would there be anything that pops into your mind that you would be willing to sacrifice your life for? You see, Austin and I love watching some of the old war movies. And, and man, we go back even, you know, way, way back into the... Uh, uh, kingdom of Heaven we, we got to watch. But they all had a purpose. They all had a purpose in what they were willing to sacrifice their lives for. See, in today's society, we don't really get called upon much to sacrifice our life. But I'm asking you, is there something that you'd be willing to sacrifice your life for? Because what you're willing to sacrifice your life for will show your values. You see? I am not asking anyone to sacrifice their lives for the Brahms right down the street. You may love Brahms. They may have the best ice cream, but would you be willing to lay down your life for it? Not me. See, I don't value that that highly. I like it, but I don't value it that highly. So anything that is important to me, anything that's of value to me, is what's going to determine my values. 1 John 2.16 tells us this, that not everything that the world offers... Not everything that the world offers, physical, gratification, greed, and extravagant lifestyles, comes from the Father. It comes from the world. What it's saying is that there is going to be a lot of this out there. Okay, And we're thinking that we're finding that diamond in the rough with that person. We're really into missionary dating. We're going to go out there and we're going to get them saved. And they're just going to become a dynamic person for God. Be very careful. Unless God is truly calling and speaking, add into your life. You see, because everything that there is that God has created, there's a counterfeit. You see, love is something that God is and God has given to us. But you know what the Satan has given us? Lust. Okay? I'm going to tell you this. Here's your definition. Love takes work. Okay? I'm going to tell you, being married 22 years... And loving all of you, it takes work sometimes. And forgiveness and grace and mercy. Lust doesn't require much. It just needs your attention. Have you ever thought about that? Who works at lust? Oh, man, I'm going to improve my lust factor. Come on. Do you see how lust is shallow? Love has depth. And see, but... How many people have fallen so deeply into lust and thought, this is the one. This is the person for me. They are so beautiful. This has not, these aren't even in my notes, but I'm going to tell you. Austin and I were walking around the mall with all these people and all the tattoos that are going on. 
And I'm thinking in 50 years, those tattoos are not going to look that pretty. Do you know what I mean? When nobody can read the word because it's sagging. You know, it's that long A sound. No, that A is really that long. You see, our bodies are going to change. And what looks good now is not going to look good 50 years from now. I feel for the guy that goes out and gets the, the girlfriend's name tattooed on his body and two days later she breaks up with him. Do you know how hard it is to find another girl that's got that same name that will date you? Now you've doubled, tripled, quadrupled your odds of ever marrying a woman named Agnes. But man, God spoke to you. I'm going to marry Agnes, so I'm going to tattoo it all over my, my arms and my chest. We have to be careful about what this world has to offer. You know, growing up, there was a, a, a chorus that we all sang. It says, All to Jesus I surrender, and all to Him I freely give. Do you remember that song? It goes, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. Very powerful words. But are we truly living out those words? You see, it's one thing to sing it. It's another thing to live it. I can tell Kristen that I love her every day. But truly, my actions will speak louder than my words. There's eventually so many fake Hallmark cards that I can give her that I'm going to have to start backing up those words of love and affection that I have for her. I can tell you so many times, thank you, but until I'm willing to serve right beside you and get into your lives, that's when you truly know that you have a pastor who loves you. You see, we have to back up what we're saying in our words and not just be so quick to throw our words out there. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for every person in this room. If there's one thing you ever remember about me and my ministry is that I will always tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for you. God created no junk. There was no second-hand thoughts. And from the moment that you were formed in your mother's womb, He had a plan and a purpose and He gave you gifts and abilities that if we would surrender them to God, He would do great and mighty things. Do you remember last week how I had the lamp? And just even though we plugged in the lamp, we all thought that the lamp was going to light up because we've always seen that, that analogy that you are the lamp and when you connect to God, all of a sudden your world's just going to explode. But do you remember how I had the light bulbs turned off and how we have a, choo- a, a, a way to choose which of those light bulbs we want to turn on? Sometimes you'll hear about something, oh, I don't... I don't truly believe in healing. Click, we just turn that light off. I really don't believe in prophecy. Click, we just turn that light off. God really directing my steps? Mm, not real sure about that. Click. You see, that's called free will. And free will gives you the ability to turn on and off those lights. But God still gave you the power and the ability to be a light. So it's important that we understand God has a purpose for our lives. But we also have to clarify our values. We need to weigh what is important and make sure that our actions back up those values in our lives. We have to realize that what we value will affect your life. What you value will affect your life. If you value the Word of God, if you value spending time in His Word, then Joshua 1.8 says this, Never stop reciting these teachings. You must think about them night and day 
so that you will faithfully do them, written, uh, that you will do everything written in them. Only then will you prosper and succeed. A very simple passage. You could come up to me and say, Pastor Mark, I want to prosper and succeed in everything I do. I'll tell you Joshua 1.8. Yeah, there's 12-step programs that you can go through and management and motivational courses. What the Word of God is saying is that study the Word of God, become more like Christ than you'll ever become on your own, and you will succeed. But see, sometimes we don't want to pay that price. Our values will also affect our stress levels. Our values affect our stress levels because when our values are unclear, there's confusion. Now, are you getting this, okay? When our values are unclear, there's confusion. And when our values are in conflict, there's stress, okay? Now, there's so many things that I could tell you about this. First off, I could take this from a man and woman. Let's say that we've got, we're going to make all of y'all men and we're making all of y'all women, okay? So I want you to think like women. I want you to think like men. Now, I mention a topic and what's going to happen is you're going to filter what I just said based on whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. Do you understand? Or, let's just say we made everyone over here Republicans and over here everybody was Democrats and I throw something out there, all of a sudden, what are you going to do? You're going to filter that if I say raise taxes. All of a sudden, half the room just got mad at me. But then the other half says, woo you know, or whatever the case may be. Do you see that every decision that you make, you filter? And what do you filter it through? Your values. Do you understand? See, let's go international. Opium is a horrific drug. And maybe everyone in this room say, yep, I'm on the no opium. But if we go down to Colombia, and there's a warlord down there making millions of dollars every day, he's like, woohoo, opium. If they're stupid enough to take it, I'm stupid enough to smuggle it to them. So why is it that they're okay smuggling opium, knowing that it's going to kill you? Why does the heroin dealer sell it to you, knowing that it's going to destroy your life? It filters all through their values. And to a heroin dealer... Money is more important than your life. So if you're willing to buy it, he's willing to sell it to you. Because the value that he has is different than the value you have. Do you understand how we filter through our values? So if our values are off, our decisions are off. Do you see that? Do you, you following the process? So as, as we learned in the men when we went through the, the series, um, the... Confused men make confused decisions. And I agree with that. I meet a lot of confused people that are making confused decisions, decisions every day. Why? Because they're filtering it through values and they're making decisions based on that. So not only is it important that we understand this, but we have to understand that our values also can affect our salvation. You see, Jesus said that it's possible to be outwardly successful and spiritually bankrupt at the same time. Oh man, we see, we see a pastor having his private jet and we think, there's an anointing on this man or this ministry. Hmm, why is there an anointing on that ministry and not somebody right down the street from you? Oh, they have a jet. And if they have a jet, then that must mean that they're hearing from God and that money is coming. Not necessarily 
that that is equal to an outpouring of God. I would rather be in a church of 35 people who are experiencing outpouring of the Holy Spirit every week than sitting in a church of 35,000 that's going through the motions. It has no value to me. I want to experience God. I don't care if it has elevators and escalators. I'll walk to experience God. You see? But we filter things through our values. Oh, but I'd really like an escalator. That would be so cool to have an escalator in our church. And maybe it could sing hymns as we go up and hymns as we go down. And we could just ride up and down and just have a beautiful day. I just want to experience God. And if it's under a tree, then so be it. But we value things and we process everything. You see, Mark 8.36 says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? See, in America, we are so blessed. Yes, our economy is, is in trouble right now. We are still blessed. That you live in a home, that you have automobiles, that you have clothing, that you have food. We are blessed. But sometimes those blessings can consume us to the point that it starts affecting our values and it starts affecting our decisions. So it's important that we, as born-again believers, real followers of Jesus Christ, need to know what is valuable. So that when Satan holds something like this up, you'll say, that's glass, Satan. And I'm holding out for diamonds. That's the fake. That's the counterfeit, Satan. That is created to deceive. And I'm not going to be deceived. And then the Word of God says, resist the enemy and he will flee. But we have to know the difference between the fake and the real. That's where real believers can follow by spending time in the Word of God. Our values will also affect wherever we go. I've taught you in the past that your attitude can be a thermostat in a room. You can walk into a room that's negative and you can start bringing in some positive, uh, just, you know, what God's doing in your life. You can have joy. You're whistling when everybody else is weeping. And all of a sudden, you can feel the room start to change. You can start saying to them, Hey, Matt, tell me something good that's happened in your life this week. Matt doesn't want to do this because he's kind of, I want to just cry right now. All of a sudden, you're changing the environment in that room. But I also know that as a dad and a husband my values can also affect my family. I can start coming into a room, and if I've lowered my values, it will start affecting my family. If I start lowering my values, it will affect my work. If I start lowering my values, it will even affect my neighborhood. If I start lowering my values, it will affect my church. That deserves better than two amens. Okay, come on. If we lower our values, it will affect the church. There we go. It affects. And that's why it's so important that we have a value system set up. And I want to look at four things real quickly today. I want to, one, challenge you to choose your source. Where are you getting your values from? Are you getting them from television? Are you getting them from magazines? Are you getting them from tabloids? Are you getting them from the internet? What is forming your values? What is the, the, the major player that gives you opinions? And I wanted you to know that according to Nelson Ratings in 2010, we as Americans, are you ready for this? We as Americans watch an average of 35 hours of television each week. Nelson even said that's almost equivalent to a full-time job. 
Now, if I ask you, this week, I want everybody to read their Bible for 35 hours, you'd be like, oh, that's a full-time job. <laughs> but if I said, this week, I want you to watch 35 hours of TV. Okay, I'll try. I can squeeze that in. You know, there's, there's a new documentary on the History Channel. And I'm just, oh, I love that. So I'm going to do that. Values affect our lives. So it's important that we understand. Television is still the biggest medium for advertisers. And according to Nelson Ratings, last year, 57% of the $117 billion, with a B, spent on advertising went to television. 57% of 107... You know what? Think of this. $117 billion was spent last year to tell you what to wear, what to drink, what to eat, who to be, what your hair should look like, what your makeup should look like, what shoes you should wear, what shorts you should wear, where you should vacation, what you should drive, what your home should look like. If you want a happiness, get the Kathy Ireland home collection and all your furniture will just be heavenly. Really? We don't need designers to tell you how to be happy. We don't need designers to tell you that you are valuable. Oh, but man, if I wear these shoes, how many people have we heard of that lost their lives because of shoes? Don't, don't, I'm serious. There have been muggings and murders over shoes. Austin and I were someplace and people were sitting camped out on a sidewalk on a night. Do you remember this was last year, Austin? And I said, what are, they, what, are they, what are they waiting for, you know? So we walked up and asked, said, why are you spending the night? The new shoes are going to be delivered. They were some Michael Jordan shoes or something. We're delivering that morning, and there were only going to be 200 pairs. So you're going to spend all night on a sidewalk for a pair of shoes? But it was value. You see, if I wear these shoes, I'll have respect. Do you understand? Why do we do certain things for respect? If I can drive that car, I'll have respect. If I can wear that clothing brand, I'll have respect. And all of this is the counterfeit. And the polo brand, and the knockoff polo brands, and the Mercedes-Benz, and the Lexuses are never going to bring you happiness. Because they're just glass. So it's important that we understand. John, 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love the world, nor the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Wow, did you catch that? That was written 2,000 years ago. And it applies today. Does that make you feel any better that we haven't evolved any better than it was 2,000 years ago? We're still after the same things. We want pleasure. There's the three things that the world wants. If you can open a snow cone stand and deliver these three little goodies, you will have a line from here to Seattle. Pleasure. It's a primary value of the world, which is the lust of the flesh. Possessions, which is the lust of the eyes. And prestige, which is the power, position, or authority, which is the pride of life. That's what we're after in a society today. See, if you ask most people, what do you want out of life? 
Here's the number one responses. One, I want to be happy. Two, I want to have fun. And three, I want to feel good. If you stop people in the street and say, what would you like out of life? One of those three is going to be their top response. I just want to be happy. I just want to have some fun. I just, I just want to enjoy life. You see, when we look at possessions, we're buying things that we don't need to impress people that don't care. Have you thought about that? Your neighbors really don't care where your couch came from. Prestige, image is everything. We are status conscious. We want people to think we're important and successful. So the media bombards us with these values. The media, the $117 billion that I just told you about, was trying to tell you how to dress, how to, to smell, how to drive, how everything, to control your life. But Romans 12, 2 tells me to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, sometimes I feel like I am the lone person out there crying out in the wilderness and everybody else is just going this way and I'm saying, don't do this, this it's going to destroy your life. Oh, but we want to do this. Because Vogue magazine said that if we do this, we'll be happy. I took a quiz in Seventeen magazine and it said that if I do this with my boyfriend, he'll love me. Wrong! And it's time that we start discerning what is counterfeit in this society. And it's time that we start turning to the Word of God. As we go back into the classrooms, we're going to be bombarded with images and positions. And you know the cliques that are in the schools already. There's the cool kids, there's the jocks, there's the geeks, there's the nerds. And we're trying to go in and find out where we belong into that society. It can be the same way in your workplace. There's the boss's favorites. Those people that have to do very little to get the favor. And we're working like a dog to get into that group. Man is not your source. God is your source. That's why we're telling you to bring supernatural power into your life, into your family, into your relationship, into your finances. So it's important that we understand as Christians the best place to get our values is from the Word of God. Point number two is clarify what is important. What do you consider to be the most important things in life? What do you consider to be the most important things to life? I would like for you to write down this week what you consider the most valuable thing in life. But, I want you to put a scripture to it. Find a scripture that backs up that value. Amen. You see? That's why Brahms can't be the most important thing in my life because there are no scriptures on gluttony that's good. <laughs> Do you understand? He that findeth a fattest man findeth a good thing. No, that's not the Word of God. And I know that if I eat at Brahms every day, I will become fattest. Okay? That's some King James there for you. Do you understand? So I have to make right decisions on what I eat and what I read and what I watch and what I listen to so that when I filter these things, because I'm going to tell you, the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, are going to start changing your value system. I'm not going to make eye contact on this. 
But if every country western song you listen to is about divorce, you'll start thinking divorce is not that bad. It's bad. And I don't care what the country western people are saying about it. I love you guys. And, I, and I'm just picking on country western, but I could go into any venue and say just because you surround yourself with something bad does not make it good. So we have to determine what is important in our lives, what is important in your life. And I'm going to tell you, the first one or two things that are important in your life should be the most important thing in every born-again Christian's life. Okay? If your career is number one, wrong. Okay? But find a scripture that backs up every value that is most important in your life. You see, what you're going to find out is as you start listing some of these values, you're going to find out that some of those values you did not pick. You either inherited them, you acquired them, you just accepted them, but you did not pick that value for your life. And it might be a little shocking to you to say, that's kind of right. I, I've, I've always held this as a value, but I don't, really, I don't even know about this to understand why. Next week, Sherry's going to be speaking with me on prayer. And Sherry said something a couple weeks ago in prayer time. It says, before you start going in and praying about something, find out about both sides of it so you know how to pray. And as born-again believers, we'll just start praying about something we have no knowledge of whatsoever. We just assume that as a Christian, this should be our value. Why? So it's important that we seek the Word of God to see what that is. I have a question for you. What is your definition of success? What would be your definition of success? If I stood before you and said, Tom, what would you say makes you successful? He's going to start thinking of things to reply to me, right? Just like you would. And that list that, that Tom tells me is going to be different than the one Paul is going to mention to me. But what we have to understand is if you don't have a definition of success, then you are going to absorb other people's definition of success. Do you understand this? Because if you had parents who have always told you, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, you just absorb their form of what success is. And you don't know what success is. So you're striving to please your father, or your mother, or your spouse, or your girlfriend, or your boss, or your friends. And it's important that you understand what success is because I'm going to tell you the number one thing that we as Americans will associate success with is achieving a goal. If I can do that, I'll be successful. Corner office, name on the door, parking space, everything. Wouldn't that be great, Shauna? I'm going to be so happy with a corner office. I'm going to tell you that the moment that you place your definition of success on an object or an activity somebody is going to come along and do better. Do you understand? Every record can be broken. Do you follow? So if making vice president by the age of 30 was your goal, guess what happens next week when you meet the 22-year-old that happens to be the president's daughter? And she's looking at your office, 
what you took 30 years to achieve, she's got it just because she said, Dad, I want that corner office. And you don't understand. And your world is thrown upside down. And you start trying to filter things through values, but those values are not things that you created, they're just what you absorbed. That's why it's important that we have to know what success is. We have to know what, um, what God has chosen us to do. Let me give you my definition of success. Success is the feeling I get when I live out my values. When I live out my values. What if you don't know your values? Then how do you know you're living your life out to them? My goal today is to make you think in a very simple way. Very simple way. Because when success is based on my values, no one can ever take that feeling away from me. Do you understand? No one can take away that feeling when I'm walking out my values. And even if I fall and I say, Lord, forgive me, I continue walking on, but no one takes away that feeling that I have lived a good life, I have fought a good fight, I ran a good race, I did what God asked me to do 99% of the time. 98% 98% of the time. I did, I did mostly what God wanted me to do during my life, okay? It's time that we get honest in our Christianity. There are no perfect super Christians out there. But when we get up and we keep going and we keep pursuing, that's what God wants. Because then we're not so full of ourselves. We become more full of Him. To determine your values, you need to ask yourself another question. What's going to last? Everything that you're working on right now, what is going to last? Is it going to matter 10 years from now? Is it going to matter 20 years from now? Is it going to matter for eternity? So if remodeling a car is your whole life goal, 20 years from now, is that going to make that big of a difference? And I'd love to remodel a car. Man, if you have a 68 Camaro convertible in your garage getting dust, see me. I'll trade you a, a very valuable diamond for it. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that, yeah. But if that car starts taking away from my wife, if that car starts taking away from time with my kids, if that car starts taking away time that I'm spending in the Word, if that car starts taking away from my friends, all of a sudden... I bought the glass diamond and I was deceived and I was distracted and I never fulfilled the calling on my life. That's what happens if we're spending too much time on the things that don't have value. Hebrews 11, verses 24, 25. And I love Hebrews 11 because it's the hall of faith. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Sin is going to be fun for a little while. Unfortunately, I can tell you that from experience. But there's a price you're going to pay for that sin. And it is going to devastate your world. Okay? So what we see here is that Moses knew he could live in the palace pretty much have an easy life, have somebody fanning him, feeding him grapes, dipping in the pool, swimming in the Nile, hanging out. 
but he knew that God's calling was more important than the conveniences of this life. And he chose to be ill-treated and be obedient than to have 50 years of good life and to lose his soul. So it's important that we understand our possessions aren't going to last either. 1 Timothy 6-7 says, For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of the world. Prestige. Solomon was the wealthiest man that ever lived. He was the most powerful man at that time. This is what Solomon said. i got to tell you, Solomon had 300 wives. Let me put this in a way guys might understand this. Solomon had 300 mother-in-laws. Okay. Ecclesiastic 2, 9 through 11 says, So I grew richer than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Wouldn't that be great? How would you like to say, I am the wealthiest person in Texas? Hmm? I, I'm, I blow Ross Perot, all of those out of the water. He drives my car for me. Yet my wisdom remained with me. If something appealed to me, I did it. I allowed myself to have any pleasure I wanted since I found pleasure in my work. This was my reward for all of my hard work. But when I turned to look at all that I had accomplished and all the hard work I had put into it, I saw that it was pointless. It was like trying to catch the wind. I gained nothing from any of my accomplishments under the sun. Wow. So if you think that promotion is going to bring you happiness, if you think that new car is going to bring you happiness, if you think that new boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse is going to bring you happiness, you're chasing the wind. Take that from somebody who experiences on a mega level. Anything he wanted to do, he could do. Quickly, my third point is changing my lifestyle. If I want to focus on changing my life, there's three main areas that I need to focus on. My time, my money, and my relationships. See, my time has to reflect what I say is important. If I tell my children I love them and I neglect them, my actions are not backing up my words. As you know, we have always promised our kids Friday nights, family night. We will not attend events. We won't do anything unless we vote on it as a family. Because I've seen so many ministries destroyed because the children became in the way of the ministry. And that is not going to happen in my life. So they know that not only is their dad there to talk to them any time, we have family night where we go out and have fun and we laugh and we just do whatever we want to do. Well, not, you know, legally. But we just do <laughs> legally whatever we want to do. We chase the wind. No, it's okay. But they know that they are important to me. And if God is important to you, you need to spend time with Him daily. Not weekly, daily. Secondly, my money. My money should reflect that He is first in my finances. I am even teaching my children now that they are getting their paychecks. The first check that they write goes to the tithe. They're honoring God with their first 10%. Then they're putting 10% in savings. The rest of the 80% is up to them. If they want to go buy those shoes, they can go buy those shoes. But they're honoring God, they're honoring their future, and then they're honoring their, their needs at that time. If everyone in the church did that exact same formula, there would be no need for government aid because the church would be doing everything the church should be doing. All the hospitals would be church-run. If all the hospitals were church-run and we were walking in our gifts and callings, there would be more healings. See? 
The government will take care of you. The government will, will supply everything you need. The government will, will tell you how much you need to live off of. When you get older, don't worry. The government's going to take care of you. Anybody want to buy a diamond? See, we'll go our whole lives not giving to the church. And then all of a sudden, God, would you bless me? Because I'm about to retire and, and I need your supernatural provision. God doesn't need your money. God needed your heart and your attitude. Now, I don't preach a lot on money. Many of you know in the last four years, I speak very little on money. But I want you to know, if you're going to get your priorities straight with God, giving God the first fruits is very important. Putting money in savings is very important. And living off the rest. Oh, but Pastor Mark, you don't realize... By the time I pay for my car, my house, everything, I can't do that. Do you remember the lamp last week? Click. You just turned off that light. Because you told me why you can't do it. Do you think you could sell your, your $40,000 car and buy a, a $10,000 car? I just wanted to hear how quiet I could get in here. My relationships... Is my spouse and my, my children getting my quality and my quantity, or am I just giving them one? Psalms 119.37 says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Wow. I wonder if we took that little scripture and we put it on our TV and we put it on our internet and we put it on our iPhone and we put it on our iPad, how much we wouldn't look at It's important. If you say, I don't have time, take a look at what you're spending time on. I'd like for it to change. You might be saying, Pastor Mark, I agree with everything you said today. I've been thinking this for the last couple years. I just have no idea how to change. You can't change without the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you. Because I'll tell you what, we have bought into the, the, the counterfeit for so long. We are so down the river in the counterfeit world. That is, without the power of Christ in your life, without the worship, without the time in the Word, without the Holy Spirit, change will not come into your life. You may go home today and say, I'm going to change, and tomorrow you're doing the exact same thing you did on Friday. So it's important that we have to understand the change. Lastly, as I close, check my values daily. Is my life in harmony with what I say is important to me? Is my time in harmony with what I say is important to me? Are my finances in harmony with what I say is important to me? Are my relationships in harmony with what I really believe God wants me to do with my life? See, 1 Timothy 4.16 tells us this. Focus on your life and your teaching. Continue to do what I've told you to do. I do this and you will save yourself and those who hear you. You see, change is going to require daily action. Change is going to require a daily action. And what you value the most should be eternal. And what I want to talk to you today now is about having the Holy Spirit move in your life, empowering you to make the change. But if you say, I'm, I'm not even sure of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity in about three minutes to say a very simple prayer. And if you say that prayer, it's going to radically change your life. And if you said, well, Pastor, I'm there, then I'm going to talk to you about the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
to come in and totally invade your life, to turbocharge that relationship. And as you start walking and spending more time with God and spending more time in the Word and start saying prayers that are powerful and effective, which we're going to learn next week, you're going to start seeing some changes in situations that haven't changed in a long time. You see, I want you to know that good works, giving money to the church, having parents that are Christians are not going to get you into heaven. The only thing that's going to get you into heaven is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. By confessing Him as your Lord and your Savior and surrendering your life to Him. And I want to give you an opportunity to say this prayer. And if you are hearing this message over the internet, as we get so many responses, I want you to go back to our website and tell us, Today I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because today is a day of change. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, today is the day of change. But it's not only going to require change today, it's going to require change tomorrow. It's going to require change on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday. Because without that, you'll go back to your old habits. You'll go back to your old values. You'll go back to buying counterfeit things. You'll go back to buying things that you don't know why you're buying them, but because you want to impress people you don't know. So it's important that we start getting our priorities right. We start understanding value. And you know what? When Satan starts holding one of these things up in our lives, we'll say, that's glass. And that's not for me. That'd be a great paperweight, but it's not going to be my spouse. It'll be a great paperweight, but that's not the calling God has in my life. Treat it for what it is. A counterfeit. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you in a very, very simple prayer. And I just ask that you pray this. And as you're praying it, would you not just recite it, but would you really think about each word that you're saying? And saying, God, if there's anything that I have been disobedient in my life, would you please forgive me? I once had such a great relationship with you, Lord, and now I've let that grow cold. Maybe that's the change that's to take place. Maybe you've taken a counterfeit of the peace that you used to have. Would you please repeat with me, Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'm saved. Amen. That prayer can change your life. That prayer can change your family. That prayer can change your work environment. That prayer can change your school environment. That prayer can change your future. Because you're surrendering everything to Christ. And that's the most important thing that we can do as real followers. I want to encourage you to come back next week. I'm looking forward to the teaching that Sherry's giving on how to pray. You see, there's times where I recognize the gifts and callings in certain people and I will ask them to come and share that so that I can learn alongside of you. And if you want to know how to pray, if you felt like you've never had an effective prayer life, if you feel that your prayers fizzle out after about 30 seconds, you need to come and hear this message because it will radically change your life. I'd like to say the blessing and then Rob's going to actually come up and give one last announcement. So can I have you all stand as I speak the blessing over you? We speak the blessing each week 
so that you can receive this. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. Thank you so much for coming today.